Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to MyFi. Another great episode. I had a great conversation with my friend Matthew Mayfield today, and uh, you're going to enjoy it. We talk a lot about, and, and, and listen, listen, I mean this in the best way. Like, so I feel like sometimes I'll bring up records and people go, oh no, they're going to talk about Guns N' Roses the whole episode. We only talk about Guns N' Roses a lot. Not the whole episode, but we talk about Use Your Illusion a lot because he's got a Use Your Illusion tattoo. That's like his favorite record. Anyway, but Matthew Mayfield, awesome singer, songwriter, uh, great dude, great dude, and a great conversation. So uh, let's get into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, Awesome. It's a beautiful day where I'm at and the sun's shining. If you're watching on YouTube, it's probably blinding you in the windows behind me. Sorry about that. Uh, But it's a great day and I'm excited that you're here. Uh, Matthew Mayfield on the show, incredible singer, songwriter, guitar player, all the things. Got me thinking um, uh, about singer, songwriters that I love. Um, And man, I always forget this. Well, I don't always forget it. I hardly ever forget it. But follow us on social media at Podcast. You can follow me too at Lee T. Baker. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe wherever you're listening. Now, singer, songwriters. I wanted to talk about a few of my favorites because Matthew's on the show today. Uh, his record, Gun Shy from 2019, his last full length. Amazing, amazing album. You should go listen to it. Uh, check it out. Um, and we talk about that a little bit too. It's available on vinyl. You, you know, uh, all his records are, so make sure you check out his stuff. But uh, I want to talk about some singer-songwriters that I love. And and I, I know everybody, like, it's it's easy to talk about five great singer-songwriters because you could say, oh, Bob Dylan and Tom Petty and Jeff Buckley and these people who are obviously, like, you know, generational songwriters and they are, but I want to talk about a few, just of my favorite that maybe a little left to center. Maybe you've heard of them. You probably have heard of a few of these, most of these, but maybe you don't think about them as singer songwriters or, or, or maybe they're just uh, a, a little bit, you know, a little left of, of the, you know, generational, you know, Paul McCartney, Bob Dylan, you know, songwriters. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm going to get into that. We'll talk about uh, Record of the Week, who is from one of these, and then I'll intro Matt. We'll, Matthew will uh, get into it. So anyway, uh, let's talk singer-songwriters. First on the list uh, is a guy named Angie Aparo. Angie Aparo wrote a song called Cry that was recorded by Faith Hill. Uh, Angie sounds nothing like Faith, Faith Hill, actually. Uh, I was kind of playing some shows and stuff my last summer after college before I got married was driving around a little bit with a buddy of mine. My friend Gray uh, gave me this CD, uh, Angie Aparo, The American. It was this full-length record. It was produced by a guy named Matt Serletic, I think is how you say his name, but he had done a couple of the Matchbox 20 albums and I really liked the production on it. So I listened to this, this Angie Aparo album, actually got stuck in my CD player and I was driving around playing some gigs with a friend of mine named Michael and we just like memorized the whole album because it got stuck in my CD player uh, while we were driving. And uh, it, I'm, I'm so thankful it did because it's awesome. And Angie's awesome. And you should look up his stuff, Angie Aparo. Um, he's got a great covers album. It's kind of a covers album. I think he did some original stuff on it. Um, but The American is like the record you should check out. It's it's on streaming services and all that. He's fantastic. Incredible writer. Uh, he's had songs recorded by tons of other people. But his work is is really, really great. Second on the list, Natalie Bergman. Um, she released a, a really like incredible album on Third Man Records last year and phenomenal singer-songwriter. Um, she was part of a duo. I want to say it was with like her brother or some someone, maybe a cousin or somebody she was related to. And uh, that was awesome too. But her solo stuff is just really great. Natalie, Natalie Bergman. Um, third on the list, Lauren Hill, um, obviously from the Fugees. But I I started thinking of Lauren Hill as a singer songwriter. You know, she had the big uh, Miseducation of Lauren Hill record, um, and it was awesome. You know, doo wop that thing, and like she had some huge hits, obviously, and huge hits with the Fugees as well. But I remember when I was in uh, I don't know I don't know when this was actually early 2000s, probably she released an unplugged album. It's called Lauren Hill unplugged 2.0. It was an MTV unplugged thing. Um, and it's just her with like a nylon string acoustic and she's like, it's very raw. Like she'll start songs and go, I don't want to play that in that key. And she'll change her capo or whatever, you know, like, 
you know, change up keys. And there's a song in there called Freedom Time that's just amazing. She like sings, she raps, but she's just playing. It's just her and a guitar. And it is fantastic. If you never listened, Lauren Hill, Unplugged 2.0 is the name of the record. Fourth on the list, David Gray. Probably heard of David Gray. If you haven't, you need to get into him. British singer, songwriter. Um, uh, just he's got a catalog that's just unbelievable and fantastic. Uh, his voice is very unique and very cool, very honest. He's an incredible piano player, guitar player, just a really unique voice. He was one of the first singer songwriters that I remember um, where there was a lot of electronic elements in his stuff. His first album, White Ladder, which is actually I'll let the cat out of the bag. This record of the week this week. If you're watching on YouTube, Spotify video, anywhere, I've got a copy of the, the reissue they just did on white vinyl, and it's just amazing. Uh, my wife and I actually saw in the summer, I talked about it a little bit. I think I may have actually featured this record earlier, but I wanted to again today um, because we're talking about singer-songwriters. And and um, that record, he recorded in his bedroom, um, and it's just really raw but really cool. And so go check out David Gray. Lastly, Ryan Adams. Um, Ryan has always been an influence of mine as a singer-songwriter. Um, I think he's an incredible songwriter. I think he's he's a generational talent as well. Uh, he's been through some rough things over the last few years, but it's good to see him coming back, uh, hopefully better than ever. He just released last week. Um, he re-recorded Oasis, What's the Story, Morning Glory, which is in my top 10 albums of all time. And I've gotten to listen to a few tracks and they're all amazing. Um, you know, Ryan's done this thing where he reimagines records. He did Taylor Swift, 1989. He did Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. He's just done this Oasis uh, record. And uh, he had a record a couple years or a couple years ago, right after uh, the pandemic, he released three albums in a year and Big Colors. One of their albums from that year was one of my favorites of the year. And uh, so you should go check that out as well. And uh, so anyway, yeah, singer-songwriters, man. It, they're, they're great people. We, we need more in the world. So, uh, And today on the show, I've got a great singer-songwriter, Matthew Mayfield. Matthew um, has been around a long time. Um, he's released, I think, six or seven full-length records, tons of EPs. He fronted a band in the early 2000s that was signed to Epic and then um, Columbia subsequently called Moses Mayfield. Then he went solo after that. Um, one of the songs after Moses Mayfield broke up that he recorded on an acoustic EP right after um, uh, the breakup of Moses Mayfield and him going solo and all that, one of those songs that he recorded ended up being featured on the 100th episode of Grey's Anatomy. And he, he's, he's had a lot of success in the business, but he is definitely a working man. He is a hardworking dude. And he's got a new record he's working on. We talk about that. His full length I mentioned earlier from 2019, Gunshy, is out. It's a fantastic record. You should go listen to it. Check out all his socials. He's at Matthew Mayfield on Twitter and Instagram and at Matthew Mayfield Music on Facebook. There's a link tree in his Instagram and I'll link that in the show notes as well where you can go check out all of his stuff and stream things and buy things and all that sort of stuff and support great singer-songwriters like Matthew. Um, but I hope that you enjoy this episode because I had a great conversation with my friend Matthew Mayfield. So let's jump into it. Matthew Mayfield, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Happy birthday, dude. Had a birthday this weekend, huh? Yeah, man. Thank you. I uh, turned 40 on Sunday, which is terrifying. Big one, uh, dude. But uh, I'm, yeah, still still grinding away. You don't look 40, like in the right ways. Well, thanks. I, I, uh, I don't know if you can see it, but I've got Lemmy up here. A friend oh, of yeah. Got me this. Beautiful nice. painting, and then I've got you can't see it, but there's Jordan and some other just random art that I love. But yeah, if Lemmy can rock till he's seventy, I think I got something in me. Still got yeah, you do. Days left well, in me. Well, your voice has always sounded older than you are, I guess, huh? I've heard that, yeah, but I, I um, I think I've kind of grown into it, I guess, because it's always been the same. You know, you get those like. Uh, phone calls where people think you know especially before any of this existed you know yeah, just yeah. phone calls people would see it and they'd be like dude i thought you were some old like haggard tom waits guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> you and got the tom waits vibe bro i was like well you could say worse things i'll, I'll take it it's, <laughs> that's just how my voice sounds i don't know what to do well it's dope dude uh i enjoyed it i got to see you live a month or so ago it was awesome 
Yeah, man. Thanks for coming. That show was a blast. Yeah, it was crazy, dude. Uh, the breaking the light bulb incident at the show is going to go down in history as a pretty rock and roll moment for a solo singer-songwriter guy. Dude, and the most unintentional moment of, uh, <laughs> of, of like, normally if you're trying to upset folks in a listening room environment with an acoustic guitar, you'll probably have to do a little more work to do that. But <laughs> I swear to God, man, like, I, I just... I swung the guitar to the left and was like, you know, you could see it yeah, in the video, yeah. you know, like I was sincerely yeah. sorry because that place is so beautiful, but they loved it. The owners, everybody loved it. They were having yeah, a blast. Dude. So, it was a moment for sure, bro. You, I was like, was, take it out of my check. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I'm sure they didn't. They're too nice for that. No, nah, they were, they were sweethearts, man. They were like, we wouldn't take that back if we could. You know? Yeah, for real. Those moments, they matter. You know what I'm saying? You got to be rock and roll every once in a while. Oh, dude, all day. Got to. Yeah. What, uh, what's what, you're in Birmingham. Is that where you're from? Yeah. Yeah. Born and raised, man. Um, I started out here and started, you know, I picked up a guitar when I was about eight and a half, nine years old. And, um, my dad used to play guitar. So he and he still does He's, he, he doesn't play as much now um but he, he was really good and i could always hear him through the thin walls at the house and uh you know music got to me real early on and i got the bug and uh and then i got an electric guitar i started on electric guitar it's kind of my well it's always been my first love yeah um so yeah man birmingham's home and uh, most of my most of my family's here except my sister and her uh, husband and my nephew, but otherwise most of them are here. Nice. Do you remember? Um, I mean, if your dad played guitar, you grew up around music. What, what was some of the early stuff you remember you, uh, listening to that got you got you pumped? Oh man, I uh, well, you know, it's I started out listening to him, and he would play, you know, um, everything from Neil Young. He'd always play Old Man. I love that song. Uh, and he would play uh, Blackbird, and he'd play um, Millworker, James Taylor, and you know all this stuff. It's like you know, to an extent, it's it's got a lot of sorrow in it. But yeah. when you're a little, you know, when you're like six years old, you don't know what the words mean. You know, the metaphors don't register. So I would always hear him, but the sound of it, you know, would make me cry like i would i would be in the other room my bunk bed my brother above me and and i would start crying you know as a little kid because it just the melody is that's what like how powerful melodies can be and uh so i grew up with that and then i got the bug for rock and roll uh when i saw the uh guns and roses video for november rain Nice. Uh, I was nine years old when it came out, and uh, when Slash gets up on the piano, and Axel's got that red coat and the whole bit. It's just that moment when it turns tragic, like all the drama and ridiculous, bloated bullshit. That's. Am I allowed to curse on this thing, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was just like so out, over the top and ridiculous, but that. Remember the guy. Moment, but that got diving through the wedding cake and the rain yeah. and yeah, just going crazy. Well, because I, it's hilarious. They're diving through the wedding cakes like it's a hurricane. It's just rain. It's cold November rain. Yeah, man. But as a kid, when he walks up in that moment, and you can, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, but like he climbs those stairs and he gets on top of the piano and he's got his cigarette and whatever. That was when. That's where I was like, whatever that is, I don't know what it is. Uh, I want to do that for the rest of my life. And here I am at 40 and still attempting to do a version of that. Yeah. Uh, I never had to do it. Well, thanks, man. I just never had to do the what do I want to be when I grow up thing. Yeah. No, I get it, man. I actually really dove into the Gunshot record. Uh, over the last couple of days and probably listened to it all the way through maybe four times like all the way through straight and yeah click back on a few different tracks and man it's fantastic um i'm glad to hear you're working on a new record is that going well yeah man it's uh it's it's kind of an unconventional one you know like the la you know most of my records have been uh you know done in nashville or la but done in a way that 
they're sort of cohesive-ish. This one's more like um, I've just been putting together sort of uh, everything that, that feels good, everything that feels right. Um, yeah. I just, I'm like, let's try it, you know? And if you yeah. end up with 30 songs and you got to whittle it down to, you know, these days, that's like your guess is as good as mine. It's like, do we release a single every week? Do we, you know, release a single every month? then put it together on a collective vinyl and put some unreleased stuff on it to for the super fans you know it's just it's such a weird industry now um but the new record is definitely going to be the most um hopefully it'll have a little bit of everything for everybody but it's definitely the most just off the wall shit yeah. that, that i've ever done you know yeah that's interesting. You like being being an artist. Like I know you've had some huge things happen. The the tune that was on that pivotal episode of Grey's Anatomy, and you know early early. You know you've had success for years. And when you say f you're you're forty and you're still trying to figure it out, bro, you have a lot of full length records. I mean, a lot of EPs. Like you've written and released a lot of music across a period of the record industry where things significantly changed. You know, because yeah. the first when was the first Moses Mayfield record like the band record well we formed in um a version of it when i was probably 20 19 okay. yeah and then we got signed when i was 21 to epic records which you know most of my heroes at the time were under the sony umbrella of epic in columbia you know springsteen and pearl yeah. jam and rage and sdp and all the 90s bands and you know all that stuff so so you know getting that record deal was sort of my way of telling everybody that ever like doubted it like hey i can do this you know because yeah. people ask you that question like if you were born you know 10 years earlier would you still consider yourself one of those people that could like get through the that whole with the you know because there's only a handful when back then you know it was like if you yeah. got signed to a major, you're a, you, that's that's it. You're a rock star, yeah. and I my answer is always yes, yes, mm -hmm. and it's not a cocky yes. It's a yes like it's just, you just know that you can hang with other musicians when you are one, but you also when you put as much time into the craft and as much time into you know locking yourself in your bedroom one weekend nights and you know every yeah. minute you can get you sleep with your guitar in your bed like <laughs> you know you put the time in you know and, and you know what you're doing i feel i feel at home on a stage whether it's five thousand people or 50 people you know yeah uh i'm terrified of public speaking and i am not great at podcasts but i'm doing the best i can <laughs> you're doing great bro you're doing great yeah. you're doing great it is just interesting though uh, it's it's kind of kind of rare, I guess, to talk to artists and friends who blew up, I guess, or, or like you know came came onto the scene in like the early two thousands are still making music. And the reason I, I even draw attention to this is because you said nowadays it's really hard to know how to release stuff. You know, yeah. you release trickle singles out and then release the whole record. You can't just release a record now because people forget about it in three weeks. There has yeah. to be like you know, the whole tease and do you do vinyl and who wants what? And you always write like, you know, 30, 40 tunes and whittle it down probably for a full length. You know, that's what a lot of people do, yeah. but you know, it is hard to know. I think, and I hope man, do release it how you want to release it, release it how you think, you know, your fans and, and people want to release it. I think people will be really excited. I'm excited for it. Well, thank you, man. Yeah. I, I, I plan on it. I, I don't, I don't think there's really a, uh, a formula anymore you know like especially yeah. being part of the major thing and we got dropped and it, you know after we spent 19 months and 600 grand of the label's money wow. we didn't have to don't worry it wasn't our money we we didn't have to recoup or whatever oh. uh, they gave the record back they gave us the masters back but back then you know it was about egos you know so all the other majors we had like a six hundred thousand dollar record that had only been out for six weeks and um but it was considered old hat you know back because if you're shopping at other labels you're like hey here's a made record all the yeah. photos liner notes everything's ready to run we just lost all the 
cheerleaders just because of politics and the business. And Rick Rubin came in to uh, run Columbia because we had moved over from Epic to Columbia. And I had a flip phone at my old apartment, my first apartment that I lived in. And, um, and I saw, I knew it was coming, you know, because our A&R guys got fired. All our cheerleaders yeah, yeah. and radio got fired. I mean, we said we knew it was happening. Yeah, that it was in that season. They, they were slimming down, man. Oh, well, because they were making room for Rick's bands, the American Recordings thing. So oh, they had to, like, yeah, yeah. They basically just, you know, shoved everybody out of there. And it's the best thing that ever happened to me, to be honest, because if I had gotten shot out of that cannon, I probably would be uh, an egotistical asshole, you know? Yeah. Because you, 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 you really learn the humility of it, you know, um, through doing it yourself and being a part of every single bit of your career. But at the same time, like when I saw that nine, I think it was nine Oh four, I believe I'm not sure, but I saw the area code and I knew it was New York or Jersey or and I knew it was Rick. I knew it was going to call. And you know, he said, mm. Hey Matthew, it was Rick. So I'm like, I'm like 23 at this point. Like a Rick Rubin on the phone, you know. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. I mean, well, I know he's calling I, to break up yeah. with you, but <laughs> but yeah, you know he's gonna fire you. So you're yeah, like, yeah. you don't really know. Obviously, I have a ton of respect for Rick Rubin and yeah, uh, and the many many of the records that he's made. But I, I definitely, uh, I was like, I remember saying, uh, how many times have you made this phone call today? Yeah, and he was like, uh, he said seven. And I was like, how many more do you have to make? And I'm 23 years old. And he's like, about seven more. Wow. Like, all right, we're cool, man. But he goes, well, Columbia Records is no longer the place for you or your band. And I said, well, as much as that hurts, thank you. You know, because yeah. that's been my whole life. I mean, I wrote all the songs and, you know, yeah. you spend your whole life writing that record, you know. And then but you, you finally the, get you own that. the masters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still on the masters. Would and, you re, would you re-release? I mean, it's coming up on twenty years from then, almost. Would you? Do I like know. Yeah, I would, I, I've, I've done a couple of like um, I put Fall Behind, which is on the Gunshot record. Yep. Version two and yep. I did uh, Keep My Distance as well. That was one from that record. We just kind of wanted to because I love a lot of the songs on that record. I still believe yeah. them. You know, there's a lot of good music. We're young and. I sound young and, you know, I mean, 2005 was a long time ago when we were making that record. So, but I'm so grateful that it happened because when we got dropped, you know, everybody quit, you know, it just fell apart. The whole band, just everybody just, you know, people got married and went and got nine to fives. And I was like the dumbass that I am. <laughs> like I'm sticking with it, you know? So I yeah. went to a basement and, uh, down the street from where I'm sitting in Birmingham and for less than a thousand dollars recorded me an acoustic guitar and a friend of mine, Lori Chang, playing cello. And we did eight songs in like two days and Grey's Anatomy found it on MySpace. MySpace, bro. Yeah. And they, they put it on the hundredth episode of the show and they paid me well. And I was like, man, I, holy shit, I can do this. You know, yeah. Like, yeah, maybe this will work. You know, it's not what I, the way I thought it would go, but nothing ever really is. So it was cool. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, I think it's, it says something about the kind of songs that you write, that you can write songs 20 years ago, release them on a record that came out in, what was Gunshot, 2019? 2019, yeah. Yeah, came out on a, release it on a record. I know it's a different version, but still like the songwriting 20 years apart, there's not a lot of songs that, you know, stand 20 years unless they're really well written tunes. And so I think that it says something about the, the songwriting quality of the songs, all that sort of stuff. And so if there's any of that stuff that hasn't hit the light of day, you should definitely release it. Yeah, man. Well, thank you. Uh, there, there are, there, there's quite a few B sides that have never seen the light of day that I still like. Um, I just got to find them somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I normally have to call my old manager that managed that band and, be like, hey, do you have the, do you have the B sides or do you have a copy of that CD? It's like you don't have one. I'm like, I, no. Yeah. <laughs> you wrote all the songs and da da da. Like, well, you know. Yeah, you it move a the, few times. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've done 
I've wrote a lot, you know, there's a lot, there's two, three, four hundred songs out there. It's, uh, you know, it's what I do and it's what I love to do. So Yeah. I know you mentioned early on the November Rain video. Do you remember what uh, what the first record was you bought with your own money? I do. Uh, and it's the exact same record that, I don't know if you can see. Oh, use your illusion tattoo. I see that. Yeah, that was the first record that I bought with my own money, man. Nine years was- old. After Usually, one or two, rain. or both. Uh, this was one. I got. I have one. Actually, I think I have the vinyl right here. Uh, well, I have appetite, and I have a. Well, I have a bunch of nerdy gun stuff on here, but um, yeah, man, that was the first record that I ever bought. Uh, That's awesome. And thankfully, my sweet mother allowed me to get that record, which is not. A, it's not a kid's record. You know. No, it's not. You know, it's funny. I have a story about that record too. There was a. I lived in Monroe, Louisiana at the time, mm-hmm. and there was a, a midnight release. And we're we're like four or five years apart or something. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm a little bit older. And so I I bought Appetite in '87. I think I was in like fourth grade, and it was like one of the first pieces of music I bought. And yeah. um, but I a, a friend of my mom's, uh, her name was Gina. She took my bro- older brother and I, and we stood in line at midnight so we could go in Tape World in Monroe, Louisiana, and buy the double cassette. Yeah, of Illusion One and Two. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I, I have both on vinyl. I actually have a an OG of User Illusion Two, a first press of it with the little. It was before parental advisory, but they had these funny stickers that they put on there. Yeah, uh, oh, I can't I remember off, off the cuff what it exactly says, but it's really it's their funny version of like. If you don't like how offensive this is, then you can, you know, whatever. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> and, fuck and, off. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking for a, uh, I'm looking for a user illusion one. Yeah, uh, dude, I think. Oh, I'm serious. This will be, this will be good for. Uh, I know we're, uh, we can cut it up and make it whatever. Yeah. Well, you got this. You got this idiot. Oh, oh, a gunshot vinyl, dude. I need to get my. Hands oh on yeah, man. Up. Got a bunch of these. I'll send you one if you want one. Yeah, heck yeah, but, I want uh, I've got all the records are on vinyl, but I've got a bunch in here. But this is, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Hit the mother load over here. Uh-oh. This is, yeah, this is the first one that I ever, yeah. Nice. You can, you can see. Man, that's commitment right there. The usual yeah, cover man, this tattoo one changed, on the forearm. This one changed my life, you know, in a weird way because it led me back to you know, I mean, Axel Slash, you know, led me to Aerosmith with Steven and Joe and yep. led me back to Led Zeppelin, you know, with Robert and Jenny and, you and know. Stones, Jagger Stones, and Keith. Keith and Meg, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just crazy to see how, you know, people really cared about a record, you know? And, and yeah, man. Full length album. A friend of mine gave me this, and this is probably my most, like, one of my most prized possessions. This is an original press of Appetite that's still in the plastic. Oh, nice. Sealed up. Yeah, man. And it's got the, uh, on the, you know, I haven't, I've never broken it open, but supposedly this is the one that has the original cover on the inside. Yeah, yeah, the band cover and all that. Yeah, the band version, so. I think that's coming back. I also have the photographic history. Of Guns N' Roses, but look at this. I this, love it, man. A look at this. Guy. Dude, look at this. I put my name. I took this to school. <laughs> Can you see this? Yeah. Oh, see yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it says it. Matthew Mayfield, and it's got my phone, my home phone number. <laughs> no area code. 870 Yeah, that was before you needed it, because you didn't know anybody outside of your area. Yeah, man, if somebody stole it, you know, maybe they had good enough heart. To maybe, yeah, maybe they could give it like, back. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, mean, I feel like see all this shit. You know? Yeah, I, I feel like metal fans were like that. They would if they may steal it, but then yeah. they probably would return it. Yeah, man, I was. I have no problem with uh, being a total nerd when it comes to rock and roll. I mean, I love. Yeah, dude, me too, man. Have you seen Guns Live? I've seen the new tour with yeah. Slats and Duff and Axel, but yeah, I never. Too. I haven't seen. I've seen it four times. Uh, and my old manager Brian Klein is a great dude. He's uh, he manages Duff. So oh nice. So yeah, he hooked us up uh, all four shows. You know, went backstage and got sailed. Oh, oh. <laughs> it was wild, dude. You know, I, I met Slash the, for the first time uh, here in Birmingham 
at this club called the Five Points Music Hall, which used to be a biker bar. And oh, nice. my once again, my sweet mom, you know, my whole bedroom was covered in posters of him. And, you know, it's like Wolverine or Spider-Man. You, you don't think they're real. You no, know? they're superheroes. They're, they're rock stars. Yeah. And, and so I went to the show, and I'm sitting like sixth grade, fifth grade, you know, 11 or 12 or something. And we went down there, and she was like, hey, I, I think uh, I know somebody to get us in the back, and you meet him. Then I was like. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, I was tiny kid. I was like terrified. And I remember yeah. walking in, and it was just, he, the cool thing was, is he was one of the biggest rock stars in the world, still is. But yeah. he was playing a 1,600-cap room with Slash's Snake Pit while Guns was on hiatus. And he came around, no shirt, leather jacket, top hat, cigarette, leather pants, came walking off the bus and walked straight towards the table. And I just remember looking at my mom being like, oh, my God, like, that's him. That's yeah. it, you know, and I was terrified. And so we get to the front of the line and my mom is like so sweet because I'm, I can't speak and uh, just uh, so starstruck. And uh, she's like, Slash, Tara Mayfield, nice to meet you. You know, Southern lady, <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice yeah. to meet you. Uh, it's my son, Matthew. He loves your music. Uh, I love your work on uh and she was rattling off like deep cuts like yeah i love your i love your uh the solo and you could be mine i think that's yeah fantastic i really <laughs> love um shotgun blues yeah. i know izzy izzy was wrote that and i'm like looking up my mom like, how do you know all of this but she had read all the liner notes because she gave awesome. me those records you know yeah dude she was sweet enough to be like, don't listen to tracks one, two, four, seven, you know, yeah. nine. And those are the first ones I listened to. Sorry, yeah. Mom. <laughs> I think now that I'm 40, I can confess that. But, you know, it yeah, was yeah. so magical to to meet, you know, a, a hero like that. So it's when I see him now, I stole his cigarette butt out of the ashtray. Yeah, you did. Stove, and I put it. And I put it in this box that my grandmother gave me. It's like this old velvet box, and I've got it straight across the room. But uh, I still have it, and he remembers it. I reminded That's him so of it. so funny, dude. Yeah, man. I reminded him of it the last time that I, or the first time on the gun store that I saw him. I was like, hey, man, you know, I saw you at the Five Points Musical with, with you know, with Snake Pit, and, you know, it was the, the dude from Jellyfish, Eric Dover, was from Birmingham, blah, blah, blah singer and he was like you're that kid that took the cigarette out of my ashtray and i was like yep <laughs> that's me that's fantastic bro oh no i was like yeah i mean dude wouldn't you steal your own you know and yeah. he's like the <laughs> sweetest guy in the world he's so nice but you can't not be around him and be like holy shit this is slash. yeah yeah it's slash dude i mean you it's know? like there's very few and even nowadays he's like part of the one name club yeah, yeah, dude. You know? Yeah, if you if you get Keith slash uh, share share uh, seal yeah, <laughs> seal, yeah. I mean Madonna. You get one name, got, dude. You, yeah, if you, you if got Sting. It. Yeah, if you're Sting. a one namer, man. You, you Lemmy. Yeah, yep, yep. I know it's Kilmister, yep. but no one really knew that. But no, no, no. Uh, you know what? I'm Lemmy. gonna do a whole. I'm gonna do a whole. Sh I need to do a whole show uh, on one namers, like the top ten. No, oh, dude, I'm in. If I would right. love if you would invite I'll, me on as a guest. Yeah, I'll, I'll call you. I should do like three or four like people who've been on, uh, <laughs> and 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 do like the best one name. That's a killer idea. You said yeah. uh, you said a little while ago uh, talking about the Use Your Illusion record that um, it was cool. Like it was an era where people valued music and all that sort of stuff, and the liner notes and the artwork and the you know that sort of thing. I think. There's in a way, I think there's at least a significant, maybe not the majority, but a significant portion of this generation who is engaging in that again. I think that's why you can press gun shy on vinyl and it matters. Yep. Um, my my kids, we just we just took a spring break trip uh, to New York City with the family. We went to Rough Trade Records, which is like a famous record shop. It started in London, but they have a, a Manhattan store as well. I think there's only like three Rough Trade stores in the world, and. Yep. My kids each wanted a record, and my son picked out the new remaster of uh, Dark Side of the Moon, and my daughter oh, cool. picked out 
uh, the latest Taylor Swift record. Um, she, she loves rock stuff too. She loves guns and she loves the killers and the whole family's going to see the struts this summer. And so nice. like, uh, you know, we love rock and roll, but my kids, they both have turntables in their rooms. And I know like I, I play music for a living and I collect vinyl. And so they, they're around it, but a lot of their friends do too. And they talk about it with their friends and they're 12 and 15. And I don't yeah. know, I think there's a resurgence of, um, People, because music, and you can disagree with this or agree with this or whatever, but I think there's people, more people are doing what you're doing. More artists are doing this thing on their own. So they so deeply appreciate it because the whole label system's broken. Yeah. Because there's an appreciation of it and there's, uh, being a musician is more of a blue collar, hardworking thing nowadays than it was in the major label, big budget era of the late nineties and whatever. Um, I think we've been through 10 or 15, maybe 20 years where music wasn't as valued. I think we're on an upswing. Like as an artist, do you feel that? Um, yeah, to an extent. I mean, definitely in terms of the vinyl stuff and, and just the resurgence of the value that people put on something that's tactile, um, you know, whether it's handwritten lyrics or, you know, um, people come up to you and you got, they got tattoos of your handwriting of you lyrics that you wrote you know that kind of stuff is just mind-blowing and it doesn't matter if you're playing for four people on a rainy night in dc or 500 people sold out in chicago in chicago or something you know what i mean like you just yeah yeah it's so gratifying but it's also it, it i think it's on a swing but i don't think anybody knows where it's headed because you know the vinyl stuff is incredible, but at the same time, like you gotta find a way to um, make it more special, I guess. Because a lot of people that buy vinyl at the merch table at shows, they don't have a turntable. They they don't have a turn, they, they want you. They just want it to be a bigger place for you to write a person autograph or whatever thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I like writing them a letter. You know, on a disc, it's like a business yeah. card. You know, yeah. Um, and all you can really fit on there is thank you and your name. But sure. on vinyl, you know, you take the time to make it look right. And you see them framed and people will send you pictures of them framed on their walls. And that's really amazing. I just think that the uh, it's a tricky world because you have to engage the diehard fans as much as you can because those are the people that are keeping the lights on. And yeah. uh, obviously you can't see, but I'm, you can't see the Taj Mahal that I live in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's not, it's not the Taj. Uh, and, you know, I'm a pretty low key person. I don't need much, but it's like, you, you know, you, you, at the end of the day, it's like when you say make a living, yeah. I think a lot of what you were saying, blue collar, I think it is a working class gig because, you know, I mean, I've lived in this same little place for 13 years and mm-hmm. never I've never lived in a house you know besides the one that I grew up in and uh I'm you know what I mean like like just those little things where like, I've never had a studio I've never you know and I think people make the assumption at times that like oh you had you know 20 million streams of this song and da 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 and they don't know you know that yeah. the truth is like for if i you know let's put it this way and this is like an educational thing for everybody and i, I did this in houston last time i was there i just made a bit real quick i just said look thank y'all for coming you already did your part and everybody kind of looked at me like what, you, what does he mean like yeah, yeah i was like no 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 like you guys did your, you bought a ticket like you paid to come see me play your hard-earned money to see me play, like I'm gonna give you everything I got. I'll play for three hours and blow my voice up and break strings and you know, cause you guys yeah. did your job. So it's it wasn't a spiel, but it was more like an education for this long. It was just like, hey, thank you, because if I you know, if I stream a million times on Spotify, you know, at point zero 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 eight cents a stream, yeah, I get twenty three hundred bucks later down the road if if one if, if you sell one song for one dollar for 99 cents a million of those six hundred and seventy five thousand dollars yeah 
slightly different story. You know, almost three quarters of a million dollars. My math's not great, but I think that's what that. No, nah, it's close enough. Close enough, something like that. A lot of money. But at the yeah. end of the day, like, you know, that's something that you have to evolve and adapt to. And I'm not one of those people that's against all streaming. You, you know, you just got to, you evolve, you adapt, yeah. or you die. You know, you don't yeah. have any other choice. And I'm not going to quit this and, you know, be an astronaut. This is, this is <laughs> uh, I'm a lifer, man. This is what I do. And I'm going to do it till I'm not here anymore. So I love it. Was yeah. that a, was that Slash Snake Pit show? Was that uh, the first show you ever went to? It was the no, you know, honestly, the first show I went to, I was in, I was in like first grade, like six, seven, and it was you're gonna love this. Yeah, my mom, once again, love your mom, very sweet. Uh, she took and we, what, but she wanted to go. Me and my brother, who's two years older than me, we went to see. Uh, Richard Marks on the repeat offender tour. Yes. And guess who opened? Wilson Phillips. Whoa. That was my first show. Brian Wilson's daughter. Yeah, man. Dude, they were, I remember, though, I mean, I was so young, but I remember all of it. I remember the, like, wind tunnels with the guitar player. That's the first uh, time I ever saw a flying V, you know. Oh, I, wow. So Dude, young. Richard Marks is a Reiner, man. Dude, he's a monster. He's incredible. He's a monster songwriter, dude. He's that unbelievable, man. I mean, Repeat he's so a great many album. For so many other people, you know? I mean, yeah. he's a, it's, you know, and that's part of, I think, the evolution of it. Because I, I've written stuff for other people, you know, that I don't put my name on. But I've, I value it for them, you know? Yeah. It's like the difference between sort of work and art. It's more like I, you know, I don't like mixing commerce and art as you know, but work and commerce seem to be more related. Yeah, it's a little but bit more like a commission piece. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's just it's it, it's one of those things that you you really do value uh, the per, the artist that you're sort of you can hear their voice singing it in the studio and go this is yours man like yeah. we'll yeah we're all writers on this and you know do the whole bit but we'll get our mailbox money but you are the star of this you know yeah and it's easy to acknowledge you know it's just hard when it's when you have the other two three people that are like it's you mayfield you know and i'm like yeah. no <laughs> it's me i gotta sing it you know yeah. and it's like <laughs> No, it's they're like you. no. This is for you. You know, like, this is your thing. Like when the walls break, a song off a of gunshot. That song uh, was me and Matthew Perriman Jones and oh, uh, nice. uh, a couple of friends of ours in Nashville. Uh, and we, he, I had a panic attack that day, which is really bad. It was, I had struggle with some a lot of anxiety stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's such a sweet dude, and he's one of the most. I mean, if you guys that are watching, if you're watching, uh, Matthew yeah. Perriman Jones, he's incredible. One yeah. of the best songwriters, one of the best voices. Just he's a, he's one of my best friends too. But he was he pulled me aside. I was like, hey man, like you are the voice of the song. I was like, dude, you got a voice like you sound like Bono on steroids. Like, why do you want me to sing it? And he's like, yeah. because <laughs> it's you, dude. Like you got to do the thing and. We calm me down, whatever. So when you hear that song, it's that's in literally the sound of the panic going down, oh. and just me. I just belt it out and went for it. And it was, what it was, was the really, tune again? I'm, I'm writing this uh, down. So uh, go listen to it. Well, when the walls break. When the walls break. And I'll, I'll actually I'll send you. That's the so the version on Gunshy is I think it's the last track on that. Or no, no, second to last track on that record. Uh, but I'll I'll send you the trailer mix, which is what we were doing then. It's a slightly yeah. different arrangement. I'll remind me, and I'll I'll send it to you. Yeah, heck yeah, man. Yeah, uh, I always always ask. Um, we're almost out of time, but I always ask this question. And it's a tough one, um, so I want to make sure you have plenty of time to answer. You get three records for the rest of your life. What's Matthew Mayfield's top three? I can only listen to these three records for the rest of my life. And I'm sure use your illusion ones in there. So there's one. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I guess it has to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Well, and another another one would be. Um, God, yeah, that's brutal. But I'm I'm just looking at my arm, saying a lot of lyrics. <laughs> what what albums but, did I tattoo on myself? I have to. Well, say just this one is the uh, "We All Walk the Long Road," the uh, Pearl Jam Neil Young collaboration. You was know, it Mirror Ball? Yeah, so they were his band on Mirrorball, and then right. they, did, they they put out Merkin Ball, which was sort of their little two single. I got it, and uh, the Long Road, and I connected with that song in 95 96 right when it came out it was like just the lyric and everything just meant so much to me i don't get tattoos unless they then i sit with them for years you know yeah yeah but i don't have but like people like why'd you leave this off and i'm like because i haven't found it yet but yeah i haven't found it yet you know but so yeah i, I would say um uh yield pearl jam yeah oh man great yeah. And then I would have to go, uh, you know, in terms of uh, just as a, a songwriter, I'd probably go Nebraska with Bruce. Oh, man. Solid. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nebraska gets skipped over unless you know Bruce's catalog. But if you like any Bruce Springsteen music, you should go listen to it. It's a dark record, but it's yeah. basically a record of demos because they tried to re-record it. Yeah. And and it ended up being like most of his demos were just, hey man, that's what the record's supposed to be, and it's fantastic. Yeah, man. Well, and that was the inspiration for the uh, for me to like Paul Moak, the guy that produced Gunshy and Banquet for Ghosts, and most of my records that I've done with him, um, the Blue Cut Robbery stuff, everything. One of my dear friends, he was the one that was like. Let's make your Nebraska record. Yo, you yeah. know, like like I want to put you in front of a microphone or two, and just do what you do, and I want to capture it. You know, it was kind of like Steve Albini with Nirvana for In Utero. Like I don't want to like jazz you up. I want you to be you, and I want to capture you. And it was terrifying, you know, because oh man, I bet it's live to tape. You know, so if you if you're on a tape machine, there's no. You can punch, but you can't. I mean, you know, you, you yeah. really need a that one take that's magic, you know? Yep. So when we made that record, which was, you know, 10, 11 years ago, that, all that stuff is live. You know, all of it's just wow. me. That was my Nebraska. When he said that, that was when I was like, got a little more confidence. Like, okay, well, if you think I can do it, then I can do it. And that's sort of my whole mentality in the business whether it's a producer or a manager or anyone. It's like, I think of them like a boxers, like a prize fighter, you know, like the guy that's in your corner when they ring the bell, you go back, you're all bloodied up. They're putting the, you know, the ice soaked quarters on your bloody eyes. And they're like, you're going to win. Like yeah, yeah. you keep, if you keep doing this, if you do, you know, giving you, it's like a coach, you know, yeah. if you keep giving it to me and keep working and keep grinding and keep caring, I promise you, you're going to beat this guy. You're going to win, you know, yeah. and I never feel competitive about music. I just feel like I've always had that drive up to it to the point where I've always told every producer I've ever worked with, even when I was a kid, if I am in the vocal booth and you don't get chill bumps, maybe do it again. Yeah, yeah. And again, and again, and again, and again. And I've thrown headphones. And, and I, look, I'm not, I'm not a diva, but I'm also not perfect, you know, because you're frustrated with yourself. You know yeah, yeah. you've got a better one in you. And a good producer and a good engineer and a good, just a good ear can say, hey, man, you, you, you're, tired. you're tired. You, you, let's yeah. come back tomorrow and let's hit it again. You know, yeah. And but your artistic side, as you know, hits you, and you're like, man, I, 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 the whole night, that's all you can think about. Like, what did I do wrong? Was I off pitch? Was I out of time? Or my lyrics suck? And then you start going, like, do I suck? Oh yeah, Am I a terrible artist. The cycle of a, being a creative person. Yeah, man. These constant self doubt, which is, I think, a lot of people think it's the opposite. Like, yeah, no. like building yourself up. Like to think you're some fucking rock star. It's like, dude, I am what I am, you know? Yep. Uh, and I'm not one of, uh, it'd be nice to play to thousands of people a night, but, you know, 
I'm grateful to be able to keep doing it. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Yeah. I appreciate you being on the show, Matthew. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. Uh, if yeah. you, I know, I know you're probably going to edit around some of this, but if there's anything else you want to do. I've got time. So. Oh no, man, we're we're getting it, we're getting it 100. But I appreciate you being on. If you guys don't follow Matthew at Matthew Mayfield on Instagram and Twitter at Matthew Mayfield Music on Facebook, uh, there's a, a a link tree that I'll put in the show notes as well, where you can go find um, you know YouTube links and all kinds of stuff uh, from there as well. And man, we're looking forward to the new record. Do you do you have a release date or a time that that's going to drop? I don't as of now. Um... Like I said, I think I think it might be like an A side, B side thing for a minute. Yeah. So I want to make sure that I get the A's and the B's that are uh, the ones that fit together. I guess I yeah. always see it like that. You know. Yeah. I think that might be the move. So I'm just sort of shifting through a shitload of material. So I'm, yeah. Well, we'll keep yeah. on the lookout for it, man. Thank and, you. Uh, go listen to Gunshy. Check out Matthew's socials and keep up with all his tour schedule and all that sort of stuff. Man, I appreciate it, bro. This was awesome. Dude, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Take care, man. All right. Take care. Later. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Great conversation with my friend Matthew Mayfield. Uh, I'm excited about the new record. Uh, Gunshy was awesome. I know that he's an incredible songwriter, singer-songwriter. He's got another project that he's working on that we talked uh, talked about uh, off-camera a little bit, off the podcast a little bit, that I think you're going to be excited for, too, if it works out. And yeah, man, he's just got great stuff going on. So uh, check out all the links in the show notes to find his stuff and follow him on social, all that. Also, make sure you're following MyFi at MyFi Podcast everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all the things. Make sure you subscribe uh, to the podcast. It's super helpful for us. And and leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That's always helpful for the show. So it shows up when people search for great music interview podcasts. We would love to share what we're doing here at MyFi. And uh, we got some great episodes coming up. So stay tuned. Make sure you got your notifications on and whatnot. And uh, we can't wait to see you next time. You know what I'm saying? So until then, have a good one.